When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the one place where you will find out what is actually going on. Not just what you've read in the papers, not just what you've seen elsewhere, not just what someone's told you down the pub. No, this is where we tell you where it's happening, why it's happening, who's doing it and who's not doing it. This is, of course, the home of common sense. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. And listen up, people, because we have got, I think, exactly what we wanted. Let us face it, everybody knew uh, that that flight was not going to go last night. Everybody knew that people were going to try their absolutely level best to stop it. I'm convinced the flights will go. I was asked yesterday, will the flight go? I said, yes, it will, because it will, eventually. People say, yes, but when? Well, we don't know when, but luckily for us, those lefty lawyers, those activists, those mealy-mouthed uh, archbishops, all of whom think it's a great idea to have no borders in the world, to have no people uh, to stop anyone from coming into our country, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter the fact that we don't know who any of them are, they've decided that they don't like any of the politicians who make rules in this country. They don't like the Tory party because they're cruel, nasty people. They don't like any of the judiciary. They don't like any court in this land. They don't like the High Court. They don't like uh, the Appeal Court. They don't like the Supreme Court because none of those people have got any compassion. Instead, they've gone running away, cliping, as we say in Scotland, to the European Court of Human Rights, which is an absolute and utter joke. The good news, however, is that this now gives us the perfect excuse to leave it. Bye-bye. We're not in the European Union anymore. We don't need the European Convention on Human Rights. We don't need the European Court of Human Rights. That looks a bit weird on the screen, doesn't it, when I do that? Anyway, listen, we're out. We're out of Europe. We're out of the uh, European Union. We left the European Union back in the day when we voted to leave it, right? We left it physically January 31st, 2021. So now, let us complete the action. Let us just say, once and for all, the ECHR... We don't like you, and we don't like your court, and we don't like your convention. So, thanks very much. Cheerio. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. By the way, uh, just before we talk to Richard Tyson, take one of your calls, how about this for a story, right? Uh, the BBC's reporting on Brexit and its perceived liberal bias has meant that trust in the corporation's journalism has dropped by more than a quarter. And that's according to a study by Reuters, which is a proper organisation, which is actually um, not biased. Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism and the University of Oxford surveyed 93,432 people. Now, that is a proper study, right? And now only 55% of them trust BBC News, down from 62% last year. I'm surprised it's not lower than that, to be honest. Let's talk to Steve in Leeds. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How are you? Very well, sir. What can I do for you? Just a quick one about the migrant crisis yeah. and the channel. Yeah. What, what people seem to forget is it costs them about seven grand to get to France for yeah. the people traffickers, five grand to get over. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons they come here is because we obviously have such a, a generous benefit system. They believe they can pay a trafficker back mm. 12 grand out of the UK yeah. within three years. Well, if you work out last year, 30,000 people came over. That's a hundred and no, it's 300 million pounds yeah. that they're going to have to pay back. Yeah out of mainly benefits. Yes. And what I don't understand is why... Well, no, you say that, but I would say money. I would say you're, you're right to, to an extent, Steve, but a lot of them, and this is my point about the argument about the criminal gangs, is that a lot of them will be put to work by these criminal gangs and they'll work for the gangs until they work off the money. Yeah, but at the same time they're working off the money, they're also claiming benefits. No, I get that. A citizen. Sure. So what they're doing is the work they do for the criminal gangs pays for the lifestyle, the benefits pays the debt, effectively you've got 300 million pound of uk money going but why can't the government like the americans did with the gangsters track the money yeah they must be able to track 300 million pounds leaving the country every year going to somebody yeah. because people don't pay it in cash no you're going to go in a street corner collecting millions and stuffing it in a suitcase absolutely right well they can't there's not much they can stop though you make a good point though steve thank you very much indeed i think the point about all of this is that and i've been saying this for a long time these are criminal enterprises. It's nothing to do... You know, forget about the idea that these people are refugees, that they're coming here for a better life and they're going to end up, you know, working in a library. No, they're going to work in the black economy. They're going to work in places where, um, you know, prying eyes of the Law and Order Brigade don't actually go. That's the problem. Richard Tice is here, Reform Party leader, of course, and Talk TV host. Richard, a very good morning to you. Well, I'm not sure it is a good morning, but it's certainly morning, Mike. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I mean... I can tell you that uh, the the people smugglers are celebrating with an increase in number of boats coming across this morning. My sources tell me it is a very very busy day of celebration mm. uh, down on the on the English Channel. Also, Mike, the other people are celebrating, of course, are the lawyers mm. who uh, are enriching themselves, making ever ever more money, ever fatter fees, and so it goes on. Yeah. I've got a funny feeling, Mike, that um, you might have got this one. Wrong. No. Just, just, you see, I think so, because you see, you did say, Mike, this was going to be a deterrent. But yes, it's I not did. working out, is it? Well, it will be, though. The point is, is that, you know, again, once again, Richard, I have to say repeatedly that you cannot call the fight until the fight is done. There's a great line in um, in the... Um, the, uh, the, 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 what's it, the Untouchables, that film about Al Capone, uh, you know, here's what you do. You wait until the fight is over, then you tell them who's won. You know, the fight isn't over yet. The fight has only just begun. I mean, I'm happy this morning because I think that this will actually work well for Boris Johnson. If he plays his cards right, this gives us the correct opportunity to say, uh, to stick two fingers up to the European Convention on Human Rights. Lots of people are telling me, oh, you can't just walk away from it. It's nothing to do with the European Union. It's a separate thing. We can walk away from anything. We've proved that already with Brexit. Hey. You're quite right. And I actually think this uh, this is an opportunity for the Home Secretary and the Prime Minister if they choose to take it, mm. which is obviously a very big if. But yes, 
I think that this highlights that we should withdraw from either the whole of the European Convention and replace it with suitable domestic legislation that reaffirms that we're a world leader mm. in, uh, in, a, in, in human rights. Crikey, we virtually invented it, for heaven's sake. We yeah. don't need a foreign court telling us how to do it, particularly a foreign court based on one judge who may not even be a lawyer, it right. turns out, who may not well have received any form of documents from ourselves. You know, this is a political court. It's been through three levels of judicial process here yeah. in the United Kingdom. And I think, you know, we're a proud, sovereign, independent nation and we should trust our own... Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it means, it means nothing. Surely we, we cannot claim to be that if every single judicial decision made by, as you say, three different separate tiers of courts in this land are then overruled by some bloke in, in Europe. Sorry, that's not, I'm, not on, I'm not having it. No, it's, it, it is absolutely not on. And, you know, I think that uh, we're left with no choice. And uh, we either withdraw from the whole or, or from parts of it. I, I would prefer we start again. We withdraw from the whole of it yeah. and say, actually, we've got confidence in our own judicial system and, and we proceed on that basis. Yeah. It's just it's just not right. And I just want, want to make this other point, Mike. You know, the numbers will increase dramatically. The forecast this year is somewhere between 50 and 70, 80,000 coming across the channel. We know it's, it's well over 10,000 yeah. so far. Absolutely. On the basis of, if you do the simple maths, apparently it's 40 grand per migrant in the first 12 months. Well, times 60,000, that's 2.4 billion pounds uh, over the next 12 mm. months uh, from from just this year's uh, illegal migrants alone. So these are massive, massive sums. Yeah. So those who say we should be deploying the half a million of last night or the 120 million, if we don't get on top of this, it's over 2 billion on this year alone. Yeah. That's on top of the 5 billion plus from last year and previous years who are obviously... Yeah. Uh, and, here's what I'd like, and, and here's what I'd like to know, Richard, and I know that you and I will be talking about this. This is going to be the big de dominating story, I think, of the entire summer, uh, if not longer. You know, I want to know where all these people are, the ones who are put up in hotels. Where do they go? How long are they in the hotels for? I actually, I think you, you and I have spoken about this before. I questioned the guy, the MP who's in charge of the Migration Committee, who said, oh, they're only there for a few days. Absolute rubbish. We know that's not true. We know that there's more and more of these hotels booked up for the next two years. We know that there are thousands upon thousands and thousands of people coming. You know, where are they all ending up? What are they all doing? You know, I don't... I, and, and the reason why so many of them are now given status to stay here is because they've been here so long. Because it takes... Because the system's broken. Because once again, the Home Office, and it may well be deliberate, is not processing these claims. Uh, correct. And there's utter incompetence. The Home Office is not fit for purpose. You need to set up a whole new department to deal with this and to deal with it promptly. Yeah. And the truth is, I think they've almost run out of hotel rooms. And mm. so what actually is happening is... Lots and lots of large private rented accommodation is being taken by the Home Office, which is having the impact of increasing rents uh, in, uh, in, in the private rented yeah. sector all over the country. Yeah. And, and, and this will carry on unless something changes. A couple of other things. I've been doing a bit more digging, Mike, mm. into the reality of the situation in Rwanda. And, you know, a lot of the sort of sneering, snobby left have been saying... You know, they're sort of uh, looking down on Rwanda. It's quite interesting when you look at the United Nations report. Yeah. Rwanda's got about 130,000 refugees uh, there at the moment. And actually, the latest UN report shows that Rwanda's been making what they call 
impressive strides towards meeting its goals. Yeah. It's been integrating uh, particularly the young very well. It's built classroom space for over 20,000 children mm. to integrate uh, ch you know, child refugees into the system. Um, refugees are allowed to work over there. And, and then I also took the trouble to look at the Amnesty International report at the end of last year uh, into a whole range of countries around the world. Interesting. When you look at Rwanda and, and Amnesty's uh, report about Rwanda, the one thing they didn't have any concerns about was their treatment of migrants and refugees. Yeah. Indeed, they were more happy with what's going on in Rwanda than their comments about what's going on in Spain and the United yeah. Kingdom. So I'm sure. I, I think the truth is that... Um, uh, you know, we ha we all agree that we we, we want to stop the crossings, and we that means you've got to have a deterrent. If you're going to do the Rwanda policy, do it properly, process it immediately, and take people who land in the UK straight to Rwanda, where actually the evidence is pretty clear from the UN and the Amnesty International reports, people are being looked after yeah, appropriately, fairly, and yeah. given opportunity. I know, that's absolutely right. Richard, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. We've got to run, but we'll come back to this very shortly. We'll take your calls. Loads more going on. This is Talk TV. Edgy talk. Plain talk. Unrivaled talk. Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're here, of course, all the way through the day and all the way through the night for your delectation. Lots going on. Uh, we will have Kevin O'Sullivan coming up for Ian Collins, of course, at uh, one o'clock. Uh, Jeremy Carl at four. And then it's the news desk from Tom Newton Dunn. Piers Morgan at eight. And then, of course, the talk from nine, followed by, uh, of course, Daisy McAndrew at ten. Prime Minister's questions today at midday as well. Lots going on. A great headline on the back page of The Sun, however, this morning, which is about something completely different. We'll take more of your calls as well, coming up very, very shortly uh, on the whole migrant crisis, the whole Rwanda crisis, what the Labour Party is saying about it, what everybody's saying about it. Uh, goulashed is the headline on the back of the sun because Gareth Southgate's England were hammered by Hungary last night, 4-0, the worst home defeat for 94 years. Now, surely to God, you might say that it might be time for Gareth Southgate to go. I certainly think it should be. Dodgy fringe is what it says uh, on the other uh, page inside. Charlie White's column uh, for The Sun, of course. Charlie's with us now. Charlie, very good morning to you. How are you doing? Very nice to talk to you. Long time no see, as they say. Um, shambolic is what one, uh, one word you could use to describe it. Some people are going, yeah, well, you know, it's the end of the season. Nobody really wants to play in this tournament. The players are a bit jaded. They all want to be on the beach. That's not really an excuse, is it? It, it, look, it was embarrassing, it was humiliating, it was shambolic. It, it, you know, you could go on, can't you, using words to describe, you know, one of our worst ever defeats. Um, and so you, you can't just make excuses for it. Um, there were mitigating factors. It wasn't his full team. He's got four games in 11 days. He's had a mix and match. We've only got two games now before the World Cup. So we had to have a look at some players who I'm not sure we'll see again. Yeah, uh, I think it was the man that, you know, you can lose and you can lose, can't you? And and, and this was absolutely awful. I mean, there was um, nothing. I mean, normally there's something good. I mean, the worst defeat in 94 years at home is bad enough. But I mean, there just wasn't anything positive really to say about any of it, was it? It wasn't. And it also it came on the back of, you know, I was in Hungary for the game a couple of weeks ago where they lost. And actually there was nothing positive to say about that. So it's not an isolated result. We've had no. four matches lost two, drawn two against Italy and Germany. Um, in terms of in 
getting replaced, I think you judge a manager when they've had a major tournament. This isn't a major tournament. It's glorified friendlies. France didn't lose the Hungary 4-0, but France have lost their two games and drawn two, and they're the favourites for the World Cup. They're a, they're a better team than England. Yeah. I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to give you that managers have had to use this time. They are knackered. I think if we had a run of results like this in the World Cup, I'm not sure we'd see at Gareth Southgate again. Yes, but that's my worry, though. But I don't think Gareth Southgate's really been ever up to the job. I've never been a fan of his. I think the the, the sort of the football establishment that thought of him as a kind of a, a rather thoughtful individual were kind of misled by the fact that he's rather dull. And he's a bit like Keir Starmer, you know, because he didn't say much. People assume he's very deep. I'm not sure that's true. So, I mean, would, would you agree um, that... England have done worse with much better squads? Um, probably, but it's a perennial problem. I mean, England as a national team, really, have consistently underperformed um, as long as I can remember, really. All the way, I mean, I think the last time I could say that England played much better than we expected uh, was in Euro 96. I think ever since then, it's always been a bit of a disappointment, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, don't forget, ahead of Euro 96, people were sort of asking, questioning whether Terry Venable should be manager. Yeah. Alan Shearer went like, two years or something like scoring a goal. Right. Uh, look, I, I, I think I, I think there's a bit of a myth, people saying this is the best group of players we've ever had. I think there's some great players, some great talents coming mm. through, Bellingham, Foden. I think they're going to be world class. I yeah. really do. Um, but, you know, we don't have a left back at the moment. You, you know, in this whole squad, they're all injured. So some of the defenders are having terrible seasons. I think, I think the last two tournaments, semi-final World Cup, getting losing on penalties... We've almost overachieved, I think, with that that squad where they are. That, that's just just my opinion. So mm. I actually think by being cautious, I don't think that Southgate necessarily wants to be cautious. He felt that with that group of players, that's the best he could get out of it. I actually think he's made the right calls pretty much most of the time for that. I think there'll come a point when if we if our players at the same level as the so-called, you know, the golden generation, Rooney, Beckham, mm. Lampard, Gerrard. Yeah. If we were still playing like that with those players, I think we've got a major problem. Yes. But we don't have a squad like that. No, I think that's right. But also, there's always been this ter- terrible difficulty, hasn't there? Where when, when you had the Lampards and the, and the Roonies and all of that, they couldn't really play together as a team terribly well. But we, here we have, but everybody's still telling us that the Premier League is the best league in the world. And I know that there's a lot of foreign players in it. And still, um, you've got a very high standard of football being played in this country, which is why people want to come here. Loads and loads of money in the game. Um, and surely in a situation like last night, the, the manager's skill would come to the fore because you're managing a team. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Perhaps who, who have never played much together before, but you've also got people who haven't really played much as a team uh, in that team probably trying to make some kind of an impression so that they do get invited back, but somehow he couldn't motivate them because they looked completely unmotivated. They, they, they looked knackered, didn't they? And and it was the, the way they fell apart at the end. And he, he was sort of, Southgate was booed by the England fans when they brought Harry Maguire on. Yeah. I felt a bit sorry for Harry Maguire, so getting <laughs> booed when you're, you know, getting onto the pitch. But the point was, they took a, a defensive player off Saka for Harry Maguire because it had just been reduced to 10 men. And Southgate didn't want to lose five or six nil. Yeah. And, you know, a manager, if you lose a centre-half sending off, you're going to put another centre-half on. And um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's quite funny that, you know, they take they enjoy taking them around the country. And it's great to go to different grounds rather than just go to Wembley all the time. But it's quite funny. The last two games have been booed off the pitch by a load of 12-year-olds. <laughs> and and then on, on, on Saturday, uh, sorry, last night we were having players booed as they were coming on. And quite rightly getting stick for a terrible performance, yeah. by the way. I'm, I'm not blaming our fans. Those players deserved everything they got. Yes. Because the thing is, you know, we praise England players. And yeah, they deserve the praise, but when they play badly, well, listen, I'm just glad that Gareth Southgate. Up. I'm just glad Gareth Southgate didn't complain about them being booed because he normally does. Doesn't like that. But I mean, here's the thing, though: if it had been five or six nil, would the clamour for Southgate to go would would that be louder? Do you think? I, th- I think it's quite loud now. I mean, there's, there's been a sea change, hasn't there, Mike? There, the last two weeks, you know, lots of supporters. If you go four games, if you're England manager and you go four games without winning, and then you get thrashed by Hungary, yeah, you know, there's, there, there's going to be a you know, a, a movement to replace a manager. I think anyone within football, I've not spoken to anyone this morning, and I'm not just talking about the England squad, that would seriously consider replacing the most... He's still the most successful manager we've had for 50 years. Yeah. So I think at the very Tragically. least, you've got to give him the World Cup. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and what's your prediction? I know it's a long way off, but what's your prediction for the World Cup and the performance that they put in, how far they get? Well, if they, if, if they play like they did last night... You know, p- people think it's going to be easy group. We're playing Iran, right? November the 21st. Yeah. It's going to be... A, Iran, they're going to have 35,000, 40,000 fans in that stadium. Mm. Right, It's 200 miles across 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 the Gulf. So that's going to be difficult. USA have got some half-decent players, very young squad. And then we're going to have this, you know, derby against Wales, which is unpredictable. Yeah. So if they, if they play like they did last night, they're going to do what's happened in 2014 in Brazil and we'll finish bottom of the group. Yeah. I don't think we will. I think we'll get out. And then who knows? Quarterfinals, semi-finals, you know, bring it on. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm not feeling optimistic at all, but thank you very much indeed. Charlie White's column in the Sun today, go read it. Uh, it really is pathetic, isn't it? Gareth Southgate, though, has never really, for me, been particularly, I don't know, inspiring. Jason says this, Southgate is like the poor racing driver in the best car. We need the best driver in the best car and we could dominate football for years. Bin Southgate the suit, clueless loser. I think a lot of people will say that they agree with that. And here's one from Jane who says, Mike, until these do-gooders, MPs, lawyers, Charles, Welby, etc., are impacted by illegal immigration, they will never understand. Just shows what they think of British people who are always last on their agenda. I think that's part of the problem. Keith is in Plymouth. Hello, Keith. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, well, are we... Uh, immigration. Are we missing the obvious? If they can't get the boats, yes. the, immigrate, the immigrants can't get across. Very true. Now, 
why can't we stop the supply of boats? Well, that's a very good point. I mean, I know that uh, I've, I've said this before and people have been shocked when I've said it, but you know when they collect all the boats that come over here? They yes. T- they take them all back. Do well, you know why that? Don't, <laughs> why I mean, don't they burn them? Well, exactly. Chuck them on a fire or stick a, stick a knife but, in them. Just put a bullet in them. But boats must be manufactured somewhere. And these are very, very expensive boats, by the way, because if they're carrying up to 40 men... Yeah. On, on one particular dirigible dinghy. That is a very well-made and very st- stable and solid boat, right? Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely but, right. But, but, but we must be able to track down where these boats are manufactured. You would think so. some some embargo on the boats. Stop yes. them get in the boats, they can't get across. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't understand why common sense people are not listened to. Keith in Plymouth makes a great point. You know, these boats have got to come from somewhere, right? These boats have to be manufactured somewhere. Surely uh, it would be cheaper. I mean, I know there was one, there was actually one point at which Pretty Patel, I think, suggested that she was going to buy up all of the boats. But of course, that wasn't a great idea because all that meant was that the people selling the boats would make more uh, and drive the price up and make yet even more money. Uh, Here's one from uh, Pete who says, I'm not a fan of Gareth Southgate, but think he should manage England in the World Cup if there's a poor performance in Qatar then that's when you make a change. And Ash says, Southgate's too busy getting on his knees and talking about politics to worry about football. Yeah, but he has. He's got the Gary Neville, Gary Lineker disease where he thinks uh, he's got important things to say about culture. Do you remember when he said, oh, well, you know, all the racism that the players suffered at the Euros when they were playing in the final and missed penalties, that's going to make my choice of who takes penalties much more difficult because, you know, I don't want to put pressure on these poor young lads, these poor young multi-millionaires who are put under pressure every single day uh, when they play football because that's their job, right? Well, my immediate thought about that was, well, why don't you just teach them how to take penalties then so that they can actually win a penalty shootout? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Absolutely ridiculous. Here's one uh, from politics. We shouldn't take the European Court of Human Rights seriously. Micronations do not uh, fall under the jurisdiction of the ECOHR, so we should consider operating the Rwanda plan from Guernsey or the Falkland Islands free of legal quangos. Now, that's an interesting thought. So ship them off first to Guernsey, right? In fact, you could tow the, 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 the migrants to Guernsey because it's in the channel, right? Let them land there. This is a great idea. I haven't heard of this one before. This is a new and possibly brilliant new idea, right? If Guernsey's not subject to the uh, European Court of Human Rights, fly them from Guernsey to Rwanda. Brilliant. I can't believe I've never thought of that. This is very good. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We're going to be talking coming up to many more of you. Keep your calls coming in. We're also going to talk, of course, to Rob Clark, who's Director uh, Defence and Security Unit at Civitas. He's going to tell us about why Russia wants to turn the Arctic into the battleground of the future. We'll talk to him a little bit about what's going on uh, in Kiev uh, and in Ukraine as well. Lots more to come, as well as, of course, Prime Minister's questions, which is the first opportunity again to see the world's most boring man, Keir Starmer, and Boris Johnson, the world's most under fire man. It's all happening at midday. This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Rob Clark is here, Director of the Defence and Security Unit Civitas. We're going to talk about Russia, what's going on in Ukraine. But let's talk, first of all, about what's going on on our own shores, on our own borders, because I'm delighted to tell you uh, that Kim, uh, one of our regular viewers and watchers, is down in Kent. Uh, she's actually out on the shores of uh, Kent, southeast Kent. She's going to show us what is going on. Kim, a very good morning. Morning, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, there's about 36 of them on the coach 
waiting to be taken away, yeah. all men. I asked one of them why, well, I asked several why they were here. Most didn't answer, and one told me it was none of my business. Okay. And I corrected him and told me, told him it is my business because I'm a taxpayer. Right. And I'm paying for it. But well behind said. us, I can't, can you see the lifeboat? Yes. Right. Apparently, there are several on board refusing to get off. Right. Because they won't go down the ladder. Right. Why not? I haven't heard any, any good reason for that yet, but, but there it is. Yeah. In the middle of the shingle. So they brought uh, the lifeboat to shore and, and sort of propped it up effectively. Well, yeah, it's on the caterpillar because they bring it back into the hangar right. uh, when they've finished. Right. But obviously they've got a bit of a problem going on there. So uh, That's a it's rather not ironic state yet. of affairs, isn't it? So you smuggle yourself all the way across to the, to, to the British coast, you get to Britain and you refuse to get out. Yeah. How, uh, how bizarre. Well, it's a new one. Yeah. It's a new one on me. And, um, what, and, and obviously, one. Kim, you're down there an awful lot. Um, you're in, um, you don't have to tell us exactly where you are, but but where exactly are you, if you can tell us? Dungeness. Are you in Dungeness? Dungeness, yeah. yeah. And you've often said that many times you see boats arriving where there aren't necessarily any, any border force waiting and people just wander off into the town. Yep, that does happen. That's been happening recently as well. Yeah. What happens is they go up in the helicopter, the police go up in the helicopter looking for them. Sometimes they're tracked down, sometimes they're not. There are, there's a lot in the middle of, of Dungeness, further that way. Yeah. There's 12 square miles of shingle here. There's plenty of hiding places in the middle because there's a lot of bush. Yes. Um, so they can they can find cover in there, and then they can wait to be picked up because quite quite a few of them yeah. have already got friends here who are able to pick them up right. in their car. And, and I'm uh, told there's also quite often a kind of welcoming committee of do-gooders who oh, like to yes. sort of say hello and hand them yes. things, right? Care for Calais are here. They've been handing out the goodie bags and the goodwill. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, this is now going to be... This is, this, is the, what's, this is how our summer is now going to be. Yes. Yesterday morning at five o'clock, we were wakened by the helicopter, uh, obviously out, out at sea looking for, for the dinghies. And, yeah. uh, you know, this, this is our life here now. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Listen, Kim, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing it for us. Um, and we'll do it again soon. We'll talk soon. Kim's there down in Kent, uh, Dungeness. She's reported into this show for a very long time and has told me, you know, uh, privately as well about how things are in that part of the world. And I know from uh, the Sussex coast that, you know, this this is a huge and massive problem and it needs to stop. But let's talk to Rob Clark, who's here. Rob, uh, sorry for uh, interfering with your time, but let's talk about um, what else is going on in the world. Russia, um, not content with invading Ukraine, apparently has now got its eyes set on the Arctic. Tell us about that. Oh, that's right, Mike. Um, I mean, understandably, most of the international community's gauge is still very firmly fixed on Ukraine and Eastern Europe mm. for, for obviously the right reasons. Yes. Um, however, what we've done at Civitas over the last few months is uh, really sort of take a deeper dive into sort of Russian strategy uh, outside of Eastern Europe. So, mm. for example, in the Arctic. Um, and we can really see how over the last decade, Russia has been militarizing not only its own Arctic mm. um, coastline, but also the waters as well. Yeah. So, for, ex for example, there's about 50 new military installations that have been either regenerated or built from scratch uh, in the last 10 years. Um, but on top of that, which is probably more troubling, actually, um, Russian, uh, the Russian state Duma are attempting mm. to pass legislation to ensure that all foreign vessels that transit the Northern Sea Route, which is the, um, the sea lane between um, sort of uh, across Siberia, mm. that basically so for East, uh, East Asia can link to uh, Europe, um, all foreign vessels will have to have Russian crews, uh, Russian military escorts, um, and the ability for the Russian Navy to board at whim any mm. any vessels. This is obviously of 
completely contrary, of course, to international maritime mm. law. Right. Um, so we've got that going on in the Arctic. Um, and then on the other side, we also have the increased sort of Chinese um, influence in the Arctic as mm. well. Now, with most things China-related, their strategy is much more long-term yeah. uh, and more subtle than Russia's right. often. Um, so whilst we can still see the Chinese Navy are operating around particularly Canada's Arctic coastline, mm. um, they're also cultivating enormous diplomatic uh, leverage uh, in, in Arctic forums, for example, to try and give this pretense, this facade of legitimacy yeah. as, a, as an Arctic power, mm. when in reality China is anything but an Arctic power. And the Arctic itself is still kind of very much kind of carved up, I suppose, would be the best way to describe it. Is it still a place where people are exploring for, for oil and, and for fossil fuels? And is that an issue? Um, absolutely. I mean, the Arctic's, uh, there's, there's eight Arctic nations. Um, just to reiterate, China is not one of them. Right. Um, and they all have, to be fair, varying differences of their own territory, which is understandable due mm. to the shifting uh, the, the shifting seas and the shifting land, obviously, with the, uh, the ice caps. Yeah. Um, however, in terms of the, the mineral resources, uh, no, absolutely, there's around about 30 uh, trillion US dollars worth of uh, mineral resources underneath the Arctic, which Russia are understandably uh, eager to carve up. But the way they will do so is obviously at the detriment to the international community. You know, they repeated this show, repeated mm. this show. I don't even need to state this, just how often they um, disregard international law, norms and conventions uh, in order to fill their national interests. Yes. This will come to a head mm. uh, in the sort of the next few years within this decade, unless, you know, Britain and its allies do something a bit mm. more uh, concrete about it. Absolutely. And NATO, of course, has been very much at the heart of all of this, mm. where, um, you know, the, we've seen Finland and Sweden talking about joining up. Uh, we've also seen, you know, obviously Russia sort of positioning itself, if you like, to try and sort of react to that if and when mm. it actually happens. We've got the Pope uh, the other day apparently saying that NATO's partly to blame for the Russian war in Ukraine. You know, thanks, Pope. Mm. Uh, that's, always, that's always helpful for him to intervene. I don't know whether he's been talking to Archbishop Welby. I think it's a great idea to get involved in international politics. But, you know, um, the war in Ukraine goes on seemingly without any kind of end in sight, doesn't it? I mean, Ukraine. We entered this uh, second phase, if you like, of the of the conflict back in April. Um, obviously, with the Russian withdrawal from around the Kiev region to refocus its efforts in the Donbass. This mm. has been going on now for about two months, um, and what we really see now in this phase um, is an incredibly drawn out, protracted uh, conflict. Mm. Um, at the minute, we can see the critical city of Severodonetsk, which is pretty much all but surrounded. People are already calling it the next Mariupol. Yeah. The obviously the, the besieged city in the south that was sustained months of uh, artillery bombardment um, and civilian casualties. Uh, and this is in Russia's effort to at least try and prize some form of limited victory uh, in the east, which will be the capitulation of the uh, the, the Ukrainian government in mm. the east and to form uh, separatist republics. Now, this was actually stated by President Putin uh, as a name mm. uh, only four or five days before the invasion itself, around mid, mid-February. Right. Um, so really what Ukraine need now is uh, more... Uh, Western sort of equipment and uh, and ammunition and support, um, but just to just to caveat that the the sheer scale and the size of the effort that's needed to help Ukraine is absolutely mm. enormous. Just to put it into perspective, mm. really quickly, um, howitzers and long range artillery that Ukraine have been asking for. America sent around about 100, 108 uh, howitzers, uh, which are enormous long range artillery pieces. Um, that's around fifteen percent of the entire US Army's artillery Is that um, right? in, in one tranche. Wow. Yeah, so that puts into perspective just how much military effort is going into Ukraine. But these systems take an enormous amount of time to send over yeah. uh, and then train, obviously, the Ukrainians. We've been training Ukrainians in Britain uh, and elsewhere in Europe. 
So the effort is still ongoing. Um, and it's only really, I have to say, thanks to the unbreakable and indomitable spirit of the Ukrainian defenders that it's it's still mm. they're still holding out. It's a phenomenal effort militarily. It is. And of course, we've, we've got hardly any time at all, but I'll give you about 10 seconds to answer this. I mean, you've been in theatres before uh, where violence is going on, where, where, where people are getting killed. You've got two British soldiers, uh, or mm. British soldiers uh, who have joined the Ukraine uh, forces who are facing the execution squads. One died the other day. You know, there's clearly some British involvement in one way, shape or form, whether it's official or not. I mean, yeah, no, we've got hundreds of, of British uh, ex-servicemen and, and uh, civilians who have gone to Ukraine to help fighting. Um, I think Liz Truss is doing the right thing. There appears to be some form of diplomatic back channels uh, through Russian sources mm. uh, to try and release the, the, the captured British uh, former servicemen, one of whom is my former regiment, the Royal Anglian Regiment. So there's a great personal connection mm. to that, and obviously I wish them all the best, but they knew what they were doing, and mm. you know, Godspeed to them. Absolutely right. Rob, good to see you. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks. Rob Clark, Director of the Defence and Security Unit, Civitas. We've got loads more to do. We're talking about everything this morning, uh, from Russia uh, to Ukraine to the Arctic to uh, the boats in the Channel uh, to e-scooters to Gareth Southgate. It's all going on. This is Talk TV. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Hot Talk. Unrivaled Talk. Kyle Talk. Talk Radio. The legendary Jeremy Kyle. Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.